everyone, and welcome to the Uncorked Corner podcast, where we cover the full spread of food and beverage industry topics. My name is Bianca, PR and marketing professional by day and food and wine connoisseur by night. And my name is Nick, an accountant with a passion for barbecue, beer, and whiskey. Today, we welcome Mark Sorrell, founder and president of St. Liberty Whiskey. In this episode, Mark walks us through the journey behind St. Liberty and talks to us about the various whiskeys that they have to offer. We also get into some of the interesting stories behind the amazing women pioneers that inspired the whiskeys that we are sampling during this podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to us. With that said, let's welcome Mark to the show. So hi, everyone. Welcome to the Uncork Corner podcast. Uh, I'm Nick. Today we have Mark Sorrell from St. Liberty Whiskey on the podcast. Uh, nice to meet you, Mark. Why don't you start by giving us a little bit of history about the distillery and your personal background in distilling? Sure. Uh, so my name is Mark Sorrell. I'm the founder and I call myself the chief historian because we tell these incredible historical stories of these women bootleggers. Um, San Liberty was, you know, it was, I've been doing this for 33 years and I've been building brands for other people for two decades. And I was actually in the middle of working on some research for another brand for somebody else. And I ran across this great juice. And then I kept running across these stories of these women bootleggers during prohibition. Like I said, I've been in the business three decades. My wife's in the industry and no one's ever, I, I started asking around, has anyone ever heard of these women? And no one ever had. And I felt compelled then to tell these stories. My, I know the struggles my wife has had in the industry. Um, I know the struggles that women in general have had in the industry. And why is it that all whiskeys need to be named after dead colonels? You know, Colonel Taylor, Colonel Blanton. I mean, these are some, these stories are historically incredible. They're inspirational um, and they're very colorful and they're fun. So the idea was hatched because uh, I work with a lot of different craft distilleries across the country. We don't actually own a distillery. Uh, we partner with a lot of guys. Um, the idea was, and, and these are really, really good, just phenomenal craft whiskeys that no one knows about. And our idea was to pair these great whiskeys with these incredible stories of these women, put it in a great package and honor them with some, with some fun and some humility and everything else. So uh, our first one, was Bertie's Bear Gulch Bourbon. So this is the story that kept popping up to me in the beginning. And it was just the most incredible inspirational story I've ever, I've ever you know, I've read in the industry. Imagine this, she's 17 years old. She's an African-American woman from Missouri. She decides to uh, migrate all the way up to Montana while it's a territory, stake a claim on 162 acres, and then in the process, create the largest speakeasy west of the Rockies, was known to have the safest hooch, and was beloved by everyone, you know, in that area. So, I mean, I, I've never heard a story like this. So I was like, oh, this is, this, this is going to be our lead because Birdie was just completely inspirational to me. Our second bootlegger uh, is actually a ride that we're not going to try today, but her name is Josephine Duty. She was a dance hall girl out of Butte, uh, Montana. So we got another Montana bootlegger. Uh, she was attacked by a customer. 
She ended up killing the guy, ran off into the, the national park uh, and is now known as the Lady of Glacier Lake. But her claim to fame up there was the fact that she supplied the railroad going east and west with all their hooch. So they would literally, as they would come by through the Glacier Park over by um, the Flathead River, they would blow their horns for as many gallons of hooch as they wanted. And she would uh, literally walk it across the, the narrowest part of, of the Flathead River at the fork and then meet the train and sell them the hooch. So, uh, but her cabin to, to this day is still standing. In fact, Bertie's house is still standing, barely. But there is a, a memorial to uh, Josephine, who is known as Lady of Glacier Park, which is actually really cool. And then the other one we're going to try today uh, is our la latest one, the one we came out with uh, in July. Uh, this one is honoring a bootlegger out of Marble, Colorado, named uh, Mary Curley. Mary was an Irish immigrant. Her and her husband came over to mine uh, at the Marble Mine, which was the same mine that produced marble for the Lincoln Memorial. Um, as people, as the mine grew, more immigrants came over and they didn't have a place to stay. So she built a hotel. She created a hotel in Marble. And then with so many Irish in town, they started drinking a lot and they actually banned alcohol in the town of Marble prior to prohibition, which was kind of interesting. She decided that she still needed to take care of her customers and keep them happy. So she started distilling in her basement. Uh, the town sheriff knew, knew what she was doing because it's actually a really small area. Um, and he didn't want to stop her. He just wanted his taxes and she refused to pay her taxes. So she would go to court. They would, you know, they would find her guilty of not paying her, her, her liquor tax. And they, she would, they would sentence her to jail. And she would do time served every single time. She would actually move in her stove and her bed and took care of the jail for as many months as she was in there while her kids were still uh, distilling. So it's pretty interesting. So, uh, it was, it, I mean, the, the stories are fun. And, we, you know, there's hundreds of these. I mean, I think the one thing that I found truly fascinating was the fact that there were more women bootleggers during Prohibition than men. Um, and I think part of the reason from what, from what I've found on my research is one of the reasons why is because they weren't punished as heavily as men would be. Uh, there was a, a story of a Michigan bootlegger. Uh, she got caught with 40,000 gallons of moonshine and she got sentenced to go to church every weekend. But you guys have all heard of Templeton Rye, right? So Templeton, uh, you know, is with Capone's, you know, whiskey and everything out of Iowa. But no one knows that the actual maker of all that hooch for Capone was a woman named Mama Sextro. She was the actual bootlegger for Capone. And no one ever tells that story. So, I mean, there's so many fun ones around there. And we just have some really fun whiskeys to go along with them and, and tell these stories. And we just have a lot of fun doing it. Yeah, it's really cool. You also have awesome bottles to dedicate to them. And I know I was reading a bit on your website. And there's a cool story about how you settled on these. Do you want to take us through that? <laughs> yeah, so um, I was uh, looking for, you know, like I said, I've been doing this for a while and I've always loved the coffin flask and I wanted something that was time, you know, period specific. Uh, coffin flasks were known to be very popular back then because they fit in side, uh, side saddles so people can move around with them. But I found this one from Ireland from the 1800s that was actually has points on it. So the coffin, the coffin shape, but that's when it comes to a point on each end. I've never seen that before on a coffin flask. So 
I bought it on eBay for 35 bucks. I sent it over, sent it over to my glassmaker and we reproduced it. And then we went and embossed everything because when I felt when I had held the bottle the first time, I knew people would keep this. And I always wanted 100, 200 years from now, you know, I've seen these bottles sitting around. I want St. Liberty to be on every single one of those bottles instead of them just taking off the label and having a cool bottle. So we embossed it. Um, and then we've just kind of gone from there. Yeah, it definitely adds to the quality and the feel of the bottles. And Bianca knows back when I, we lived in the same house, I used to keep all my whiskey bottles and I had them all up on display too. So <laughs> having a cool bottle definitely earns it a spot on the shelf. <laughs> uh, what are some of your favorite cocktails to make with the two different, well, so the, with the two that we have here, but what are right. some of your go-tos um, for so these guys? Yeah, so my favorite is actually a gold rush. Uh, have you guys ever had a gold rush before? No. It's a modern classic on a whiskey sour. It was a uh, 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 Death and Co. out of New York did it. It was probably about 15 years ago. And what it is is basically it's whiskey. It's two ounces of whiskey, one ounce of fresh lemon juice, and one ounce of honey simple syrup. And then that's it. Just shake it and go. So it is, uh, it is probably my, one of my all-time favorites. In fact, we're actually making honey simple syrup uh, to launch next year to go along with some cocktail programs. So it's going to be kind of fun. It'll be, it'll be St. Liberty honey, honey simple syrup. So uh, we're working with some uh, local uh, bee farms here in Texas, wildflower kind of honey, uh, but it'll be really fun. So I'll make sure you guys get some, some samples when we get them yeah. produced. For sure. Yeah, that's awesome. I've never actually had a whiskey sour. Being a big whiskey, I, I typically just drink it straight and I'll have the occasional old fashioned, but that's something that I definitely have to try. So once you get that syrup, that'll definitely yeah, be no, another one to try. The Gold Rush, you called it? It's, it's called a Gold Rush. Yeah, gold you can rush. look it up. Uh, it's uh, Like I said, it's a modern spin on a, on a whiskey sour. And then you just said my second favorite one was an old fashioned, you know, with all kinds of different, you know, twists to it on, on the vermouth and everything. But in fact, that's what I had on my birthday was two of those. I had two uh, old fashions last weekend. So that can't was good. go wrong. Nice. It's so easy to make. Happy belated birthday. Oh, thanks. Appreciate it. Guys. <laughs> I'm 70. So I'm just kidding. <laughs> Bianca, have you gotten to try any of these whiskeys yet? Do you have them in front you? of me, but I have not tried them quite yet. <laughs> Bianca is uh she has not listened to me in diving into the world of straight whiskey and how to kind of get into it and dip your toes in and getting past that first when you're first getting into it you know it's harsh you know you can't really you know right it's, it's a little bit just a little bit every night and then after a week or so you're gonna get it and it's smooth sailing from there but you might actually really like this birdies one it's super super smooth for people that are listening and Bianca that aren't really big whiskey drinkers that don't like that high proof, don't like that harsh, harshness, at least for me being, you know, more of a whiskey drinker, this doesn't have any of that. It's super no. smooth. You could drink this straight and it's not going to be really offensive to anyone. So when I created this blend and it is a blend of two different size barrels, um, we're very, we're very open about everything that we do. Uh, it's a 70% corn, 27.5% rye. So that's high rye for a bourbon two and a half percent malted barley. But what we do different is, is we do a 53 gallon barrel with a three char in it, which is standard for any, you know, for most whiskeys. And then do a, a smaller 30, uh, 30 gallon barrel with a four char. Uh, gives a little bit more smoke um, and richness to it. And then we blend them together about 70, 30 on the birdie. 
And I wanted to create, I mean, I love whiskeys. I love, I've been doing that. Like I said, I've been doing this for a while. So I love everything, especially agave. And I wanted something that was very approachable when it comes to tequila, uh, when it comes to our whiskey. Um, and I found, I've probably, probably tasted about 2000 people over the, over the last year pre-COVID and uh, women gravitate to it because uh, and men too, but women especially because it's got, it's, it's surprising. The nose is different than the taste. You're going to find when you, you know, you're going to get some stone fruit on the nose. Uh, I've had a couple of people say it's candied orange. Um, and then you're going to get dark molasses. You're going to get burnt brown sugar. You're going to get caramelized vanilla. You're going to get stone fruit. You're going to get a little bit of oak and you're going to get a little bit of smoke and it's light smoke, not, not scotchy kind of smoke. And it just keeps developing with each sip and just keeps going. So it's, it's been a lot of fun. And that's also one of the reasons why I like doing cocktails with it, because it does mix very well. Unlike our rye, which is, you know, I, I wouldn't recommend it to anyone other than straight or on the rocks. So, but these, you can drink it anyway. Are you ready, yeah. Bianca? <laughs> I'm ready I for did. the face. Yeah, <laughs> I just tried it while I was on with you guys. You didn't see me, but... Uh, it's very good. I just tried the not birdies, Mary's four grain, and it, it has a great flavor. Um, as Nick said, I typically mix everything in a cocktail, so I'm, I'm still learning to really appreciate things straight. Um, but this is very good. It definitely doesn't have like that. It's, it's not, it's not like overpowering, like for right, compared so to some of that. It's very smooth. <laughs> So a lot of people, the one thing that I always, uh, the one thing I wanted to avoid uh, in the beginning was, you know, there, there's a lot of great Texas whiskey. Texas is a big whiskey boom going on. There's a lot of distilleries, but at the time, and I, things are changing now, but at the time, these whiskeys were very hot. They, they hit you in the face. They were one, two notes and that was it, but that's what people wanted. They wanted these hot whiskeys like Balcones and I wanted just the opposite. I wanted something that didn't taste like any other Texas whiskey um, that was would develop on the palate. It was easy to drink and would be approachable to everyone. Now, you're hardcore, you know, whiskey geeks. You know, the, the, my friends that are really into whiskey and, you know, drink their Blantons and all that kind of stuff. They like it, but they would prefer something else. Um, we're finding that different with the Mary. The Mary is uh, is an incredible whiskey this is the one i've been working on for a while and we've been laying down like crazy so we we have about a thousand cases every quarter uh but it is super fun uh, and it's really it takes birdie to the next level it actually comes from the same distillery out of texas um but it's completely different the the mashville is different we've got weed in there uh the rick houses are different i mean everything about it and it's really really good yeah, yeah, the Mary's four grain definitely strikes me as more of what I would expect out of a bourbon. It definitely follows more of those similar notes to some of the other ones I've had. And this is a very oh, cool year for something. you guys, too. Huh? It's a cool year for you guys, too, because it's the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment. You know, you have that. It's, oh, a, yeah. it's an election year. It's just your story and everything. It's just such a perfect tie into so many things that are happening with all and of it us wasn't as a planned. society. I mean, this is the funny part. <laughs> None of this was planned. I mean, literally, I've been working on this project for seven years and really, you know, just putting together money and trying to get it off the ground. Um, and we launched it right before, I, I guess you could say the hashtag Me Too phase started. And I was like, oh, okay, well, this is good. 
no, we got a women-focused, you know, whiskey. Uh, my goal was to tell the story. I'm a storyteller. And, and, and I wanted to, you know, create a great whiskey. And, and then we just kept, things just kept changing in society. I was like going, okay, we're the, you know, and no one even, I didn't even realize it until we had already printed the labels that we actually had the very first African-American woman on a whiskey bottle. We had the very first woman on a whiskey bottle. I mean, these are things that, you know, and it's been very sensitive. We've had to uh, be very careful. And then we started diversifying our company instead of a couple a couple of guys we now uh this year we brought on uh the ex-president of Chirac DSMs uh we also are one of our major investors is Indomica Sioux from the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks so and then we also have an all women's advisory board uh some of the seven of the top uh women lead, uh, business leaders across the country are on the board and then on top of that we have a five percent give back program uh, where we give 5% of our gross profits to charities, our foundations that uh, support education and, and uh, entrepreneurship. And the first one we're doing is Soledad O'Brien's foundation, The Powerful. So that'll be our first donation this year, which will be cool. Uh, the one thing that's different also about the whiskey that I forgot to even talk about, which is, you know, and, and it's such an important part of it, is the fact that yes, we distill in one place, but we partner with two distilleries. One of them that actually blends it. So we take it, say Birdie, 115 proof from Texas. We take it all the way to Montana and we use that same pure Rocky Mountain water that Birdie would have used a hundred years ago. These women never made whiskey, they made moonshine. But the one thing they all had in common is that they used local water. So we use that same water that she would have used and we proof it from 115 down to 87, and then we bottle it there. Same thing for, for Mary, we take it all the way to Colorado and we proof it with actually water from the Crystal River is exactly where she would have pulled the water from uh, and proof it that way. So we're trying to impart a little bit to each, you know, from, from where these women lived into the whiskey as much as possible. And it's really cool. And that's one thing I noticed too, first gaze in the bottle, I always like to read the label and see where it's coming from and everything. And I know it is Texas and I know it is Colorado. I was like, oh, that's interesting. So do you want to tell us a little bit more about how you found the specific distilleries that you partnered with and how you settled on? Yeah, no, that's, yeah, it'd be great. So uh, the distillery in Montana. So Bone is here. I live in Austin and our distillery is Bone Distilling over in Smithville. And like I said, I was working on another project with Bone and created this, this profile that I fell in love with. But I wanted, like I said, I needed to go to Montana and I needed to finish it that way. Um, luckily, one of my partners lived in Montana uh, and we went and interviewed a whole bunch of different distilleries. And we ended up on this really this small family distillery called Lolo Creek. Uh, they make they make their own. They, they have a Huckleberry Vodka that is off the charts. Just a great family. It's right outside of Missoula. Uh, and they've been our, you know, our bottler for both uh, Bertie and Josephine. The Mary was a little different. Uh, I was actually consulting for a company out of Colorado uh, right when I was just in the the idea phase of, of this of the brand and they were showing me some historical books of the area and there was a story of Mary Curley in there well I took photos of it and I kept it on my phone and because I knew I, this is something I might want to do and I always wanted to do a brand in Colorado um, so the Mary probably the most personable. Um, so my wife was asking me, I said, the first one is 
Brown, Josephine is green. And she goes, what are you going to do for the second, the third bottle? And I said, well, it's going to be brown. It's the whiskey. It's a bourbon. She's like, oh, I want you to do something different. And it was a big gamble. Uh, she's like, she said, uh, why don't you do uh, honor Colorado with their state, the color of their state flower, which is a Columbine, which is indigo. Uh, I was like, okay. So I went and had some sample bottles done, came back with all the different shades. And I was like going, this is actually going to be really cool. But when we went into production, I was a little bit nervous because how were the whiskey people going to respond to an indigo bottle or, or blue or whatever you want, blue purple. And the response has been overwhelming. Uh, people love it. I mean, we're getting so many posts just on the Mary because of the color. It's different. Um, and it's just, it, it, I was, I'm, we're really happy with it. So. And it definitely funny... stands out compared to some other, really any that I've seen it. The color is so vibrant and it looks great just being put out, even if you're not drinking it, just to leave it out on your bar card or leave it out <laughs> on the shelf. I mean, hey, that's half of it, right? It's, you're not going to drink it all the time. So to have it out for people to see, it's, and a funny note on that too. What I was completely surprised when I was pouring it when I saw the blue bottle. I was like, all right, what do I think when I think blue bottle? I think like vodka, maybe Sky something. Vodka, yeah. I was like, all right, is this gonna be white? Is this gonna be like a moonshine? And then I poured it and I was like, oh nope, it's brown, it's a whiskey. All right. So it definitely, definitely was a surprise, but it's super cool and really different and helps it stand out. Yeah, it was fun because I mean we went through uh, several shades to see because I was, you know, I was really concerned about how the whiskey, the brown, would react with the different colors. Uh, we actually ended up with the uh, the darkest color uh, worked out the best. But I mean, if you look and put a shine of light on it, you know, at the very top, you know, with with the there's no liquor right there, it comes out purple, and it's really it's just a really cool effect. So we're having a lot of fun with that and. I'll give you an insight on all of our bootleggers, the images. So there were no photos of, of these women during Prohibition. Birdie, there's no pictures of Birdie. So my, every woman on here is um, how I see them in my head. So I, I went through comp, uh, compositions of different, you know, women from uh, flappers to, you know, Prohibition, their 20s, 30s, all kinds of stuff. And this is the birdie that I see in my head. You know, this is a strong, beautiful woman who was out, you know, really just kick, I mean, just really kicking ass up in Montana because she was the first woman to have a radio. Uh, she bought it on the Sears Roebuck catalog. Everyone came and hung out to listen to the radio. I mean, she was a, you know, a consummate host and uh, really beloved. And then this one, Mary, and no photos of Mary. And actually, that is a compilation of my wife, who was the inspiration for the brand. So this is kind of fun, too. So it makes it a little bit more personal. That's cool stuff. And did you partner with a local artist or someone to kind of draft those up and really get them to look like you wanted to? Yes. Yeah, so I partnered with a, 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 my buddy's agency here in town, uh, here in Austin, called Arsenal. Uh, they've done all the design work. Uh, they, uh, you know, we worked with a local artist to uh, put together these uh, these composites of these women. We went through a ton of them, um, and you know, different hats, different styles, different a little bit of everything. Uh, and this is what we came up with. Um, but I always I gave them an idea exactly what I wanted, and then they came back with just some incredible, incredible art. 
Yeah, and it's really cool. You did a great job in the bottle with this whole lot. Uh, it's almost like a cardstock matte finish on the labels. Uh, you have a big label on the side that shows everything on it. So no matter how it's being stuck in your cabinet, uh, it can really kind of show. Yep, showing it there. Uh, but yeah, well, this is actually really new. Job. So yeah. what we, you know, we were, you know, when it comes to New York and some of the other markets, they were asking a lot of bottles get turned sideways on the liquor shelf. Uh, even here in Texas at Total Wine, you know, these are massive stores and specs and they're getting overcrowded. So I literally was in the store a month ago and all my bottles were turned sideways. At a total, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. These, you know, in the Texas set, because there's so many Texas whiskeys, they, they're cramming them all in there. So we went and just had these produced. So these will be coming out on the next runs. So we're actually bottling Birdie right now in Montana. So those will have the side label. And then next month, we'll be bottling some more Mary, and I'll have the new side labels. But the side labels are fun because there was a couple of things that we noticed that we, we didn't get right on the, on the first label. First off, the, the age statement was really small on the back. So we put that large on the front. And then we actually put our mash bill on here so you can see exactly what you're drinking, which is fun. And then, of course, you know, we still got the women. So and it's really cool. And you have the whole stories printed on the back as well. Um, so, Correct. yeah. Really, really cool bottles, and it really gives people a feel. You know, you're taking a story, and you're taking a piece of history, and you're putting it on your shelf, and it's something that you can even talk about, you know, when you're having people around your bar or anything like that. So it's just a really, really cool brand, and I love what you're doing with it. Thanks. And, you know, we get people ask us all the time, are these historically accurate, or are they made-up stories, or, you know, is there some spin to them? They are as historically accurate as the information I can find. Like Mary, there's probably five paragraphs in one book on Mary Curley, yeah. but I put everything in there. In fact, I went up to Colorado, you know, of course, for the first bottling run. And then I went down to Marble, which is about 35 minutes from the distillery. And the jail cell that she was in is still standing in Marble. Uh, the jail's there, the cell's there. So I took a whole bunch of shots with the bottle inside of her jail cell and everything. But it was actually really, really cool to see that it's still standing. And then this... There's hardly anything in the town. I mean, it's literally off the beaten path. Uh, probably a population of maybe 100 people in the whole town. And the jail is still sitting there on the edge of a baseball field. That's crazy stuff. That's really and cool. Bianca knows I'm a big history nerd as well. So yeah. I could go into history <laughs> all day. And, you know, it's only as good as the primary source. You know, you have someone that records what they see. And then right. you know, it gets passed on and passed on. And these people, that these big historical figures become legends. So... Who knows what's accurate, what's not, but the point is really the essence behind the story. So think about how many cowboys and, you know, prohibitioners and mobsters and everything you have these crazy stories of, but, you know, it all, it's all getting passed through generations and generations. So right. sometimes a story is just as good as the figure itself, you know? Well, I tell you what, we're making Birdie famous because we, uh, we have people reaching out to us all the time for information that they have on her. We actually, someone sent us her her deed to her property that was signed by Woodrow Wilson. So cool. The, changing it from, <laughs> you know, uh, you know her, her allocation to actually her ownership of, of the her stake of the 162 acres. So there, I mean, I have, I've had people send me draw, uh, paintings of, her, of her, her homestead that's up on the site. I mean, it's, it's actually really cool, but we're getting a lot. I mean, Birdie's probably the one that draws everyone in. And then people fall in love with the whiskey. We, we're having a great job reselling. So we're, we're growing like crazy. We're in 22 states now. So it's not too bad after a year and COVID. 
And I yeah, know we that's have, great. Uh, we have total wine up here, and I already checked the uh, checked the app, and I made sure you're available up here in Massachusetts. You can find it. At the We're getting there. So, yep. So we just launched with uh, Delaware, D.C., and Maryland. So we'll have it there. And then I was just speaking to uh, uh, another distillery uh, distributor uh, in Massachusetts and Maine. So hopefully we'll have it up there first part of the year. I'm in but you can Maine, buy it online. So I can't so that's wait. A good thing. <laughs> Get it shipped right to your door. You don't have to worry about going to the store. Exactly. You can do it uh, from a website uh, on our online store. Or if, it, if they don't ship to your state, you can actually uh, go to Reserve Bar. Uh, we've got a feature on Reserve Bar right now, which has been fantastic. Uh, so you can order there too. And I'm up here in Portland, Maine, so I can't wait for you to get up here. And I'm I'm a big rye guy. That's always kind of my go-to for just a sip of whiskey and never going to have it. So, yep. <laughs> and I'm sure I'll be going to the store and buying it all the time afterwards too, because you did a great job with these other two here that we've been able to try. I'm excited to support the grant, uh, brand. We've had a great time talking to you. And um, we can't wait to try whatever else you guys come up with in the future. I oh, appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And before we go, can you just let everybody know where they can find you online and on social media? Yeah. So uh, we're at uh, stlibertywhiskey.com. Super simple. And then on Instagram and Facebook, we're at, at St. Liberty Whiskey. So real easy to do. Um, but please find your bottles. Put them, you know, send us to, I mean, I answer almost every single, you know, Instagram post. Uh, or my partner does Facebook, everything. People hit me up all the time. Uh, we love interacting with our customers, with people that find the brand, fall in love with the brand, share the brand. We have a lot of people set, tell us how many, you know, how many friends they've actually ordered online and send it to their friends. So that's a good thing. Yep. And thanks again. So as always, we'll be uploading this real soon. We'll have the links in the description. So just head down below. You'll be able to find everything, get to your website, uh, get to your Instagram and your social media. <laughs> And we look forward to talking again in the future. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Be sure to follow us on social at Uncorked Corner and on the blog at uncorkedcorner.com for a taste of more food and beverage content. And if you enjoyed the show, don't forget to leave a comment, subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you prefer. Thanks for listening. Thanks.